This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by the Haddonfield Memorial Hospital. From blood transfusions to embolisms, from slip and fall accidents to severe burns, the world-class staff at Haddonfield Memorial Hospital have experienced it all. Something spooky is going down Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. This week, a double feature. The late night double feature feature show. It's Halloween 2, 1981 and 2009. Can the 1981 version stand up to the original classic? Can the 2008 version cross that low, low bar set by its predecessor? (laughs) We'll find out in just a moment. But first, Kelsey, how do we start the show? With Trivial Pursuit Horror Edition. Yeah. Why don't you give me what you got? Okay. Who directed both 1980's Maniac and 1988's Maniac Cop? I don't remember who directed Maniac Cop. I, I don't remember. I'm sorry. William Lustig. Yep. I remember having written that down. I remember having said that on the show. I, w- there's no way in hell I would have gotten that. <laughs> All right, Kelsey, a slightly, just, just slightly easier one for you. Yeah. In what 2002 zombie film does the outbreak begin when activists set lab animals free? 28 days later. That is correct. Although I would have thought it was 2001. This is 2002. Do you remember? We didn't put years in our episode titles back then, so I'd have to look it up. I don't know. All right, Kelsey, we're going to start. Okay, if you remember, guys, last Halloween, our first Halloween, just after we launched the show, we did the original... Halloween from 1978, and we did the Rob Zombie remake. We love the original Halloween. We absolutely disliked Rob Zombie's remake. Uh, So this year, we're going to do it again, Halloween 2. Next year, we'll move on to Season of the Witch, and we'll have no idea what we're going to pair with that, and so on and so on. We're going to make it all the way through the Halloween franchise. That is our goal. Every Halloween to release an episode about the the classic film franchise, mm-hmm. and it's going to get bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is this where it starts to get bad? I don't know. Halloween 2, 1981, directed by Rick Rosenthal, written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. They came back for this one, starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Donald Pleasance, and Charles Cyphers. Kelsey, what is Halloween 2 about? It picks up right where the first one leaves off. Lori is picked up by the police in an ambulance and is taken to the hospital. 
and Michael Myers is still on the loose. The cops are still looking for him, and he comes after Lori again. Yep. The one thing we didn't talk about in our discussion of the new Halloween uh, from 2018 is that it kind of glosses over the fact that Michael Myers is never caught in the original. That movie, no spoilers, starts out with him already caught. Mm-hmm. So we never find out how he got caught because it also supposes that this movie or any other movie in the franchise never happened. Mm-hmm. So how they make that leap from him getting away at the end of the first movie to being caught, who knows? But this movie picks up right where the other one left off. He's on the loose. She's going to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Should people watch the movie? No. Wow. That is a strong no from Kelsey. It's pretty boring. Yeah. It's really boring. Like surprisingly boring. Mm-hmm. Which is a bummer. I heard it described by somebody as just a bunch of people walking down hallways in a hospital. And that is what it is. Yeah, they're not far off. <laughs> Lori Strode is in almost none of it. Yeah, she's in very little of the film. And it develops the lore a little bit. It makes her his sister yep. with a real flimsy connection. Mm-hmm. Real flimsy and we'll talk about it when we, when we talk about the the actual plot of the movie and it focuses on him a whole lot more than the original did whereas the original focused a lot on her i think this starts the trend cuz this is like the original was like the origin of the modern slasher i disagree what would you say i mean there's i mean we've discovered several movies during our time on this show that were like wow this predates halloween right but movies that weren't popular that didn't start trends i'm talking like what slasher franchise was there before halloween there wasn't a franchise that's true but i mean black christmas yes but no franchise right i mean yeah this I is guess- my point my point is is that this the first of the slasher franchises oh. starts like right away fetishizing the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Right? And we talk about it in our discussion of Halloween. It's almost inescapable when you franchise these shows. And I think John Carpenter knew it too when he bailed after this one. He didn't even want to make this one. Isn't that exactly what happened with Rob Zombie in the sequel? Yeah. They wanted to turn it into like an anthology thing where every year it was a different Halloween story, which is what explains Halloween 3 season of the witch having no Michael Myers at all. But the audience rejected it. They loved Michael Myers. And so they brought him back for four, the return of Michael Myers. And that's the problem. Like the the filmmakers knew, but the audience didn't care. They should have known after the second one that, There's only so much you can do with a single character. Mm -hmm. So you can take our advice or leave it. But when we get back, we will talk about 1981's Halloween 2. From the people who brought you Halloween, more of the night he came home. Halloween 2. There is no place to hide. He will always find you. Halloween 2, more of the night he came home. Rated R, now playing at a theater near you. Kelsey, why don't you get us started? 
What happens in Halloween 2? We open to Mr. Sandman, which... Is in the original. Doesn't really make sense with what they're going for. No. Because it kind of sets a tone that you expect this movie to almost be ironic or comical or darkly comical or something, and it's not at all. No. It's also not really, like, it doesn't challenge any status quos or anything like that, which including a song like Mr. Sandman in a horror movie, this, like, upbeat, kind of cheerful but a little ominous song Mm -hmm. is about, like, it doesn't cash in on that at all. (laughs) So, anyway, opens with Mr. Sandman. It picks up in 1978, right when Lori tells the kids to go to the Mackenzie's. We get to see the end basically all over again, and we get to see how great it was, just to remind us that we're not in for the same quality. But here's the thing. I wrote it down. None of the right music in the intro scene. And the theme is an awful recreation of the original. Like, awful. I know John Carpenter did the music for this movie. I get that. I understand. But it feels like like he did it with Alan Howarth. Everything except for Mr. Sandman. He's credited on. It sounds like it's being played on the same keyboard that did the Silver Shamrock song. Six more days till Halloween, Halloween. You know that. It sounds like that, but playing the original theme. There's a video online, IGN did it, where they brought in John Carpenter, who famously does his own scores. Famously, they brought him in to play the Nintendo Labo because it, the Nintendo Labo is their like cardboard construction product and you hook it up to the remotes and other things of the Nintendo Switch. And one of the things you can create is this tiny little cardboard piano and it plays music and he plays the Halloween theme on the Nintendo Labo. And he's like, this thing fucking sucks. <laughs> Frankly. This thing sucks. But the rendition of the Halloween theme on the Nintendo Labo, like, hurts me just as much as this one here. It's not good. And it ruins the ending of the first movie for me. Like, it just feels, the whole clip just feels out of place and a little bit off. And they they don't set the tension up at all, so you're dropped right into the middle of the scene. And if it's been a while since you've seen the original, which for people when this movie came out was three years ago, like, how can you rely on the original to to ease your way into this? They do a piss poor job of it. Like, none of the music is right. <laughs> Which I I don't know why that bothered me so much, but it really did. It's like they took something that was great and made it worse. This thing is fucked. I'm sorry. It's completely fucked. And on that note. Um, <laughs> we see Loomis, Loomis shoot Michael 
How many times, Kelsey? Six times. Six times? I shot him six times. Call the sheriff. Tell him I shot him. I shot him in the heart. Six times. I shot him six times. What? I shot him six times. I, I shot him in the heart. I can't have gotten very far. Come on. I shot him six times. Yeah. This guy, this man, he's not human. Except, except, except what they filmed was seven shots. They put it on the screen. Really? They put seven shots on the screen. And then he repeats six times over and over and over again. I shot him six times. What? I shot him six times. It's really, really bad. But we get another really great Loomis line, though, here when he's trying to get somebody to call the police. There's a neighbor that's coming out like, is this some kind of joke? We've been trick-or-treated to death tonight. Did you write down what Loomis says to him? No. You don't know what death is. <laughs> been trick-or-treated to death tonight. You don't know what death is. Yes, I love Loomis. So good. I love him. So good. Uh, so then we get our credits, and we have the same pumpkin, but this time the pumpkin cracks open, and on the inside is a skull. Which is pretty neat, I gotta say. <laughs> I gotta say. As we said, now we get to watch Michael and his coming back after Lori. So he walks, be he hides behind a shed, he ignores dogs, he hides behind sheets, he walks into a house where a lady is making a sandwich. <laughs> it's really funny. The lady walks into the living room and her husband's asleep in front of the TV watching Night of the Living Dead. And you can see Michael in the background. He picks up the knife. And looks at the couple and then just walks out. <laughs> See, I got it wrong. I thought when we we're talking about the the new one, I thought he killed that woman. So did I. And and he doesn't. Yeah. He just grabs the knife and she comes back to it and sees that there's blood on the table and on the sandwich. And it's like, ah! Another thing that's going on, that cold cut sandwich, by the way, Peanut butter and mayonnaise. I'm telling you, it could have been mustard. It was not mustard. It was peanut butter. Look at that. <laughs> that is not mustard. <laughs> so, out comes the next door neighbor, seeing if Mrs. Elrod is okay, but she doesn't respond, but the girl just walks back inside anyway and gets back on the phone. She's like, oh, my neighbor's probably getting beaten up by her husband again. Like, yeah. no big deal. Nothing yeah. big. And her doors are open and her windows are open. And the friend on the phone says, this was odd. She tells her there's been a murder in Haddonfield. As if they're in a different town. No, there's been a murder in Haddonfield. There's been a murder. If it was in my town, I would say there's been a murder. Why would I say the name of my town that I live in? Okay. Let's say... A name of a city. Long Beach. Long Beach. Long Beach is still pretty big. But if I was on the phone with you and I said, there's been a murder, you'd be like, where? <laughs> why, why do I? Of course, there's, there's murders every day. What are you talking about? In Long Beach. Like, that's how I would tell you. I wouldn't say, in my town. <laughs> well, 
I thought it was odd. And when she tells her the street, she's like, oh my god, that's right down the street. And it's like, she suddenly realizes, my doors are open, my windows are open. But it's too late, he's in there, he kills her. Cut to Lori inside the hospital telling them not to put her to sleep. She really doesn't want to be put out because she's still nervous about Michael because he still hasn't been caught. So that actually makes sense here. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, there's a kid being brought in and it's so strange. Like, why was it even included? We keep seeing him. I feel like it's a little bit. There's two times going into the emergency room and then leaving again. But nothing happens to the mom or the kid. It's a reference to razor blades and candy and apples or whatever. That old wives tale about Halloween, which wasn't true. I th- I honestly think this is like a primer for what they're going to continue to do with the series. Hmm. Interesting. Back to the cops. And of course they find out the cop, remember, is the father of Annie and Annie is dead. And so when he finds out it's Annie, he's very, very upset. You let him out, goddamn doctor. And he's just like, I didn't. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I don't know where all this blame comes from to Loomis. Right. He's He was the one who didn't want him transferred. He's the one, when he found out he was being transferred, wanted to be there to prevent it. He's the one that tracked him down and shot him. But the cop doesn't care. His daughter is dead. He needs to notify his wife, and he needs to take his anger out on somebody. And he chooses Loomis. And Loomis is, like, kind of calm as can be at this moment. He's like, but I didn't. Damn you. Sorry. What have you done? I haven't done anything. You let him out! I didn't let him out. I, I gave orders for him to be restrained. No, I shot him six times. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, poor Ben Tramer. Okay, this is fucking awesome. So, in the universe of Halloween, <laughs> this is a real Halloween mask that exists. It's not a Captain Kirk mask with the eyes cut out and the hair teased and done. No, it's like the scream mask. It just exists. It just exists in this universe. So, there is this man walking around talking to children, walking stiffly, neck bent down when he's talking to the children, wearing the exact same mask and a jumpsuit, which what are the odds that he's wearing coveralls? And when Loomis sees him is like, "Hey, yo, stop." And the guy's like kind of walking swiftly away, like he wants to avoid this guy. <laughs> stop, stop right there. And then he runs into the middle of the street and then he gets hit by another cop going the opposite direction, full force, rams into a van, bursts into flames. <laughs> they find out later that it is, in fact, one Bennett Tramer, Laurie's high school crush from the first movie, that never showed up. It's so sad. Yes. He was. Probably on his way to her place to see her. I don't think so. They were supposed to go to the dance together. No, she wanted to ask him to the dance. He was invited over uh-huh. and he, he he never makes it because they leave that location or whatever. And so now we see him and he gets hit and he dies. They verify that by his uh, dental, dental records. records. Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Ben Tramer. <laughs> We also find out when they're looking for clues that he went to the old school and messed it up and then wrote Sam Hain and blood on the wall. They're setting up the lore for Michael Myers. Yes. Which is odd because I don't 
know if they had any idea no, of what they, had they were no going to do with it. No idea what they were doing. We're not going to tease too much of it, but cults yeah. and druidic Satanic. spirits and yeah, stuff like that like become a factor in the lore of Michael Myers and there's no reason why Michael Myers would have any idea what Sam Hain was. <laughs> he went he went into a facility when he was 6 and he came out last night. <laughs> Yeah. He has no idea what Sam Hain is. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> this is around the time where I wrote, there's a lot of walking in this movie. There's a lot of walking. Yeah. Now that you mention it, there really is. So, cut back to the hospital, and we meet this guy who's kind of a dickhead working at the hospital, and they're all hanging out in the, what's it called? Lounge? Yes, in the lounge. And they're watching Black Ninja. Yeah. Which I wonder if that's a real thing. Probably. <laughs> and he is just being a total douchebag. I mean, there's a girl that's spreading rumors that are totally untrue, but he's also just an asshole. And she's like, you know, you really don't have to swear so much. And he's like, sorry, I guess I just fuck up all the time. Yeah. And uh, he's a paramedic, just like our male hero, I guess you could call him, Jimmy, who's the other paramedic who kind of falls for Lori after bringing her in. Yes. And nobody seems to like that guy. And then there's just a lot of wandering around the hospital. Like, I, this is where I wrote, I fucking hate horror set in hospitals. Yes. They are the worst. X-ray. It is It is just the worst place to put a horror movie. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> so Michael Myers is just walking through the streets, which he can do willy-nilly because he's just a dude in a mask and it's still Halloween night. And he passes by his own son. So the shape is played in this movie by Dick Warlock, who also played the guy who hit Ben Tramer with his car. <laughs> the patrolman who hit Ben Tramer with his car. His son, not the Warlock from Society, who is also his son. <laughs> but his other son plays this dude walking down the street with a boombox. I wrote about him in my notes. Yes. And we see him like three times just wandering around in the parking lot. <laughs> but this is important because he's playing a news clip on the boombox, and that's the only time that Michael would have any idea that Lori was at that hospital. So he hears that she was sent to that hospital. Oh. And then right across the street, there's a sign that says this hospital this way. So that's so why we saw him directions. three times. Yes. Okay. Just thought that that was, that was kind of funny, that there was actually a connection. That that he funny. knows how to get to the hospital because he's following the signs. He knows to go to the hospital because he hears that clip. I mean, it's pretty safe to assume she'd be taken to the hospital. But what hospital? There's obviously more than one. At the end of this movie, they take her to another one. <laughs> This is around the time that Lori starts to question, you know, why me? Why did he come after me so much? And the cops are trying to find her parents, but they're at some party and they can't get a hold of them. Meanwhile, I think the lights go out or something. Okay, so there's a lot of stuff that happens here and a lot of people die. I think we can just kind of breeze through this part here. He, he somehow learns how to cut the phone lines. Is that hard? How would a six-year-old know how to do that? Because he's effectively a six-year-old. He knows how to find where he the phone lines are. He learned how to drive. <laughs> yes. You've been teaching him how to drive? They actually mentioned that in the first one. Still don't give an answer. <laughs> um, he learns how to cut the phone lines. 
Uh, he knows how to sneak into the hospital. He kills the security guard who goes looking to find out what happened with the lights, which he also messes with. He knows how to turn up the temperature on a sauna, on a therapeutic sauna, to scalding hot. He kills a dude, which is fine, whatever. And then he dunks this woman's head, this nurse's head, in the sauna, killing her and somehow not scalding his own hand in the process. Oh. He also knows how to put a bubble into somebody's bloodstream to kill them, an air bubble. Because he hits this woman right in the temple, and then he injects air into her bloodstream, into her brain, and that's what kills her. I did not understand that's what he was doing. That's apparently pretty common. But yeah, that's that's what he's doing. You see him push down the plunger, but you can see there's nothing in the actual syringe. I was wondering about that. Yeah. I just thought it was just a bad mistake on the props. Nope. (laughs) He's killing her in an inventive way that he would have no idea was a thing. But whatever, he kills the head doctor at the hospital, who's a drunk. I I don't remember how he ends up killing him, but the nurse finds him, and then that's when she gets the air bubble in her head. And fucking all of these people die before Lori, like, finds out that anything's going on. This is when we get to see some flashbacks for, for Lori, like, she's remembering being a child, and there's one where, like, I told you I'm not your mother. Why won't you ever tell me anything? I told you. I'm not your mother. Yeah. Which is weird because it's not like we were told that Lori had a bad upbringing. Right, but it's setting up the fact that, oh, they get into an argument. She says she's not her mother. It sets up the fact that she knows she's adopted. Yeah. And because they have to make some sort of tenuous connection, they find out because... There's another therapist who's a colleague of Loomis's who wants to take him back to his facility because the director says so. And while they're in the car and a a cop is taking them back there, she reveals that I saw the closed files that you weren't given. Right. Because his caseworker wouldn't know this shit. They wouldn't. But they'd give it to her. She saw the files and it turns out that the Myers had a baby girl and then after their daughter their oldest daughter was killed their son killed her the son was sent away they die in like a car accident or something like that it's never clear i i mean maybe it is but it's they just pass right over it and then the baby was put up for adoption and adopted by the strodes like right across the street or right down the street, or where whatever the Which is distance is. Not exactly is. the way our system works, right? <laughs> yes, but they they did it and they adopted her. And apparently, they didn't want to because her mom's a bitch to her about yeah, it. Like I don't it's know. so weird. I don't know. It's a stupid, stupid connection, and I'm really glad that the new film just got rid of it. That girl, that Strode girl, that's Michael Myers' sister. She was born two years before he was committed. Two years after his parents died and she was adopted by the Strodes, they requested that the records be sealed in order to protect the family. Jesus, don't you see what he's doing here in Haddonfield? He killed one sister 15 years ago. Now he's trying to kill the other. And then, like, the ambulance guy who fell in love with Lori Jimmy. is like, I'm not going to let anything happen to you, I promise. 
And then the next thing that happens to Jimmy is he finds a dead nurse who, by the way, drained of all of her blood with a needle and a hose, like how he knew how to do that. Who knows? Like siphoning gas out of a car, which, by the way, he also fucking does. Like he takes spark plugs out of the engine and slashes all the tires because he knows how to do that, too. So Jimmy comes across this nurse who's dead on a gurney and all of her blood's drained and he turns to leave to go get somebody, slips and hits his head yep. on all the blood. And he's just lying in a pool of blood, passed out. This is the last eventful thing that Jimmy will do <laughs> in the entire movie after telling Lori he won't let anything happen to her. <laughs> so then Michael comes into her room and stabs her. But it's not her. He stabs her repeatedly, not realizing that there are pillows in the bed, and that's what he's stabbing. Yes. She played a trick on Michael. Yep. She runs outside. She sees that all the tires have been slashed. And then, of course, we get the famous whimpering <laughs> in the parking lot. Yeah. I, I laughed at this because I understand that the, the car wouldn't start probably because the spark plugs or whatever. But when the car doesn't start... She gets out and she looks at the tire and there's a flat. It's just really funny to me because what the f what the actual filmmaking is communicating is that the car won't start because the tires are flat. <laughs> <laughs> so Michael runs after her. It's another chase scene. She finds another hanging body just like she did in the first movie. Sam Loomis, Dr. Loomis, forces the car to turn around when he finds out that they're related. Turn this car around now. Marshall says, I can't do that. I have orders. So he pulls out his trusty gun, which he used to shoot Michael six times. Well, those orders have changed. Doctor, you're getting yourself into a lot of trouble. What is it you guys usually do? Fire a warning shot, right? And he fires his gun in the car. And the car screeches and turns around. So they show up at the hospital, just as Lori's trying to escape. So she's hiding in the car and out comes Jimmy because apparently of all the cars in the parking lot, she hid in his and he has blood coming from the back of his head and he's really dazed and and he gets in the car and he tries to start it and it won't start. And she's like, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. And then he just fucking passes out head on the horn. Yeah. She falls out of the car. Her own stunt, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> And she tries to yell out to Loomis, who has just shown up, but she can't. Not until he's inside, then she can yell. Yes. Help. Help. And then they get inside. Help me! Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, come on. Where were those lungs before? Help. 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 Help me! And so... She makes a mad dash for the door and they end she banging on the door and they let her inside and then they lock the door and here comes Michael Myers coming after her and he walks towards the door and then just fucking strides right through the glass door. Yep. He's starting to get really magic powers. At first it was just they can't seem to put him down yeah. and he just keeps coming. Now it's glass and steel can't stop him, baby. That's right. He just fucking strides right through. It is simultaneously ridiculous and fucking badass. <laughs> it is awesome. Then they end up cornering him in a room where all like an operating room where there's all this gas. 
nitrous and other gases. Ether. Ether, yeah. And nitrous oxide. And like they're turning the tanks on and they're pulling the plugs out of the wall that release this gas. And Michael stabs Loomis in the gut. And he's got it really bad. But yeah, she managed- I wrote, he stabbed Pleasance, you bastard. Yes. But she has a gun now. Lori has a gun. And she shoots him right in the eye. After she said Michael and made him pause. Yes. Which was annoying. Why? It's kind of like with Jason. Jason, this is your mother. And yes. he just kind of stops and he's like, is it? <laughs> it's kind of the same here. Michael, Jason. are you my sister? <laughs> Jason, I'm your younger self. Like that? <laughs> mm-hmm. That kind of shit. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. But she shoots him right in the eye, which is neat, because then he starts bleeding. And he it, starts like, swinging blindly into right, the air. But so he, hits, so he grabs his face, right? But blood starts dripping down out of the eye hole, so and it looks, it looks like, like he's crying, crying blood. blood. It's pretty cool, actually. I like it. But then he starts swinging around wildly, and she manages to uh, to get out. Loomis tells her to run. And so she runs out and he takes the lighter that was given to him by the sheriff or the deputy, some one of them, and lights the whole thing up and big explosion. Lori gets tossed down the hallway from the explosion. Apparently that was not planned. It ended up being bigger than they thought it was going to be. Ah! And she gets taken to another hospital in an ambulance. Loomis is dead. Michael is dead. That was the way this was supposed to end. And then three comes out. People don't like it. They demand bringing back Michael Myers. Years later, four comes out, return of Michael Myers. Hey, I like four and five. Well, we're going to get to those next year and the year after. No, two years and three years from now. (laughs) And that is the movie. Yeah. Jimmy still passed out in the car, maybe? Apparently, in an alternate take of the ending, you can see him getting carted into the same ambulance that she is to be taken to the other hospital, and that he lives. And then maybe they can be in the hospital together and fall in love. All right, Kelsey. Hmm. Lightning round. Loomis has some good lines. Uh, One really good one is... Six times! You're ignoring the real possibility that he is still out there! What do you mean, possibility? We know he's out there. (laughs) Sam Hain isn't evil spirits. It isn't goblins, ghosts, or witches. It's the unconscious mind. We're all afraid of the dark inside ourselves. In order to appease the gods, the druid priests held fire rituals. Prisons of war, criminals, the insane, animals were burned alive in baskets. By observing the way they died, the druids believed they could see omens of the future. Two thousand years later, we've come no further. Samhain isn't evil spirits. It isn't goblins, ghosts, or witches. It's the unconscious mind. We're all afraid of the dark inside ourselves. Dude, Fucking Donald Pleasance is dope. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He ends up, not only does Michael Myers come back, but so does Samuel Loomis. So if you're bummed that he dies in this movie, don't worry. He comes back. So it also doesn't make sense that he would, that Michael Myers would know that she's his sister. 
How would he know that? And how would he know what she looks like? How would he find that stuff out? If the only records saying anything about it were sealed. And even if he knew he had a baby sister, how would he know that that's her? No idea. It ruins the first movie with this change. (laughs) It's such a bummer. Was she even at her own house when he finds her in the original? Or was she she at the 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 boy's house? Not the Myers place. He first sees her at the Myers place. Right, right, right. She has to stop there for her dad. But then she's babysitting. Is she babysitting at her own house or that kid's house? At the kid's house, but it's like across the street from the Myers house. Okay, okay. The deputy, Deputy Hunt, he is an awful actor. Yeah, he is. He's pretty bad. Now, is there anything else that we can do for you? Anything else? There's at one point where I don't remember exactly what happens, but it reminded me a lot of Scream. What's that? I think she just kind of leaves somebody behind and it's just like, fuck you both. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's when she leaves the guy that she likes in the car. Oh, Jimmy. Fuck you. Yeah. She just tumbles out of the car. Just leaves him. Uh Runs for the door knowing Michael Myers is out there. Yeah. When Loomis is talking to that guy who he shoots the gun, like, fire a warning shot. Yeah. The dude stays super calm throughout it, and, like, his responses to Loomis are hilarious. Well, I guess I have new orders. <laughs> yeah, and after he shoots the warning shot, he, he's just like, well, what have I got to lose except my job? Right. Like, he didn't just shoot a gun at you. you. Yeah. <sighs> like, you're you, not upset You're not going to lose your job. Also, like, it's like a wah-wah kind of moment, yeah. At one point, this is like at the very end, when they're inside the hospital, I'm pretty sure that the deputy guy is like, oh, he's dead, and Loomis is like, no, no, he's not! And he grab. I think Loomis grabs his gun, and he's like, I'm the only one authorized to use that. Like, he's really <laughs> dumb. And then he ends up dying because he's like, ah, oh, this guy's dead. Stop breathing. (laughs) Then he gets fucking choked out and then his neck snapped or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's it for me. What do I have to lose but my job? Well, your life too, apparently. Apparently. All right, Kelsey, what do you think it got on Rotten Tomatoes? 36. 30%. Overrated or underrated? Probably a little overrated. Halloween 2 picks up where its predecessor left off and quickly wanders into a dead end that the franchise would spend decades struggling to find its way out of. Mm-hmm. First time I've read that. That's incredibly accurate and really reflects our thoughts about it, too. I'd probably give it a 25. And that's being generous. That's yeah. because it's part of the Halloween franchise. Yeah, I'd agree. And so we have, like, already an initial investment in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think 25 is is pretty good. It has a Metacritic of 40. It's just, it's very boring. It's just boring. It's pointless. Every change it makes ruins it, makes it worse. Yeah. Like, there's well, nothing. Okay, I know you don't like the, the lore changes. I hate it. I like that she's his sister. I don't. I know it doesn't make any sense, but I think it's just because I grew up just being told, oh, Lori's his sister. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, my parents didn't give a shit about the Halloween franchise. They love the original movie, but they don't give a shit about the franchise. Right. But they just told me my whole life, oh, yeah, she's his sister. But, like, in the Rob Zombie one, it's like, I want to be with my sister. And when he has a chance to kill her, he doesn't. Like. Well, that changes in the second one. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get <laughs> and, it, and it's almost like, oh, he, he's, he feels an attachment to his innocent baby sister and wants to protect her. Like. 
so if if you're gonna do the sister element no this time it's just like well why is he after this chick retroactively let's just make her his sister and he has an obsession with killing his sisters what is that a thing it's not patricide it's not matricide it's fratricide would be brothers soricide i I don't know if that's the word i don't know if that's a real word but he just has this obsession with killing his sisters i it's dumb it's dumb it's dumb. And this is absolutely not the second best in the original series. I think three is better than this for sheer inventiveness. <laughs> and the four and five combo, if we're talking like metaphysical connections between people that are related, much better. Mm-hmm. Curse of Michael Myers sucks. And then we got H2O and Resurrection, which – boy when we get there those are gonna be fun yeah all right that was 1981's halloween 2 before we move on to its remake which isn't really a remake oh boy oh man i forgot about that now i'm remembering it's more a remake of five well it's it's also more a sequel to the first remake and it teases you with the fact that it's not a remake of this movie and we'll get into that. But before well, we get there... I was just going to say, it's funny because the first of the original franchise is so good. Second one is so bad. And it's kind of... It's kind the of the opposite. opposite. That's what I was zombie. teasing in the beginning. Is the second of the zombie movies good enough to overcome the very low bar of the first one? It's like they do kind of a switch. The second Rob Zombie movie, and we'll talk about this, is better than the first one. Yes. The second original movie, worse than the first one. Yep. It's this weird sort of seesaw effect. <laughs> but before we tell you about it, Kelsey, Trivial Pursuit Horror Edition. In anticipation of next week, what director made 1997's Funny Games and its shot-for-shot shot 2008 American remake? Uh, Haneke? Mm-hmm, Michael Haneke. Yeah. I knew that one. He's a dipshit. He's a total dipshit. We'll talk about it. Oh. We'll talk about it. I didn't know this. Dude's a pretentious prick. Anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll get there. Kelsey. Yeah. The titular monster in Babadook 2014 is found in a pop-up book titled what? Mr. Babadook? Yes! You got the Mr. part right. That was the trick. I was trying to get you. <laughs> All right. Baba duck. 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 Fucking awesome. Go back and listen to that episode. We love the Baba. Nobody wants to listen to the Baba Duck episode. I don't. It's one of our lowest listened episodes. And it's really sad. What's one of our highest listened episodes? The dark half for some reason. It's getting up there. It is only a handful of listens away from surpassing Nightmare on Elm Street. It is in our top five. Hey, and let's I not don't, shame our listeners. I don't know why. I'm baffled. I mean, I, I, I like every one of our episodes. I think that that was a cool episode. But why are people attracted to the dark half and secret window? I do not know. I don't get it. Maybe a lot of people really like Secret Window. And it's like consistent now. I think a like, lot of people like Secret Window. Every week, it shows up on like the top three of the week. <laughs> it's just so weird. I don't know why. 
anyway, <laughs> moving on. Halloween 2 from 2009, written and directed by Rob Zombie, starring Scout Taylor Compton, Tyler Maine, and Malcolm McDowell. Kelsey, what is Rob Zombie's H2, Halloween 2, all about? So this one is different. It takes place two years after the original, and it is about Lori kind of dealing with what happened to her, but at the same time, Michael is still coming after it, her. It starts to tease with the concepts that the 2018 version really digs into. It does. Is like what happens to the victims. But in typical Rob Zombie fashion, there's not a fucking likable character in the bunch. Yeah. They're all awful. What happened to Lori Strode? She became a fucking dick. I actually like the the one that she lives with her friend and I actually oh like, Annie yes the I one like who's Annie. in four and five and who was in the original that's Annie yeah and I do like the friend who dressed up as Columbia yes but they get like hardly She's barely anything. in it yeah uh huh yeah I mean okay I should you're right you're right you've shown me the way uh there are some likable characters in this they're not all awful like they tend to be in rob zombie movies and wormtail or whatever the fuck his name is worm worm good tongue worm tongue he's really good he's a good worm, character worm tongue worm, worm tongue i think worm tongue from lord of the rings or uh, chucky's voice or chucky's voice or the guy from one flew over the cuckoo's nest yes that guy Brad Dourif. He's good. He's a good character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. Him and Annie, and I guess that one friend. And the guy who runs the shop that we see for one scene and then never again. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, Kelsey, should people watch the movie? Look, I'm not going to tell you that it's a great movie, but... It's not. If you watched the first one and were shocked at how terrible it is... I suggest seeing this simply because it's fascinating how much better this one is than right. the first one. Because, I mean, that's a very low standard, but still, like, you would, I was expecting this one to be just as bad as right. the first one. And when we talk about the seesaw, right, how number one of the originals was so good, and then the second one was disappointing, and then the reverse is true for this one, I, that isn't to say that this is as good as the original Halloween. No, not by a not fucking long shot. No. But- surprisingly better than the first Rob Zombie Halloween. And to go along with what Kelsey said, if you watch the first Rob Zombie one and like us, we're like, nope, I'm out. I'm never watching the second one. You Maybe give it a chance. If you haven't seen the first Rob Zombie one, don't watch it on account of this movie. <laughs> no. It is that bad. Yeah. It's not worth watching both of these just to get to this one. No. No. It's not... Like I said, it's not a great movie, but it's just it's just very interesting to me. Yeah. How much I hated the first one. He just took a real step up in making it did. these movies. Yeah. And so it, good on you, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Zombovich, whatever his real name is. I don't know. <laughs> so you can take our advice or leave it as always. And when we get back, we will talk about 2009's. Halloween 2. I'm Michael Myers' sister. On August 28th, evil is here. It's walking amongst us. It's all 911. There's blood everywhere. You can run. He's gonna kill me. You 
can hide. What do you want from me? Or Lori, you can fight. Give me the gun. Like hell. Rob Zombie completes his extreme vision of terror. Halloween 2. Rated R. Kelsey, get us started. How does Halloween 2 start? We start with a quote again, just like we did with the last one. You know, I sure am glad they put that definition of what a white horse is up on the screen, because that just clears everything right up. (laughs) This movie, it's like Rob Zombie's attempt at being really, like... Philosophical? Yeah, and use a lot of visual metaphor... It's like, oh, you know, he's made enough movies now that now he's getting really deep into semiotics. And I it he he couldn't rely on his own filmmaking abilities enough or trust his audience enough to get that. So he puts this definition up in words on the screen and then there's a toy horse that she gives him mm-hmm. because her son likes toy horses i don't know why i don't remember her reason no it's just because it's going to be a symbol later so we need to we need it to come up now like ugh. oh and they bring it up again when the with the rorschach test on the wall Ugh. dr barb's office so it starts in the past when uh sherry moon zombie is still alive but the kid was too old, so they had to get a new actor. Yeah, Dag Dag Fersh. Uh, he they apparently did start filming with him, and then they're like, "No, nah, he's he's way too old," because they already filmed the scenes where he stopped talking in the original. Yeah, so they couldn't have him talking and look older than he did in that one. Yeah, so, but it still doesn't make sense timeline wise, like when he's talking and when he's not. But whatever. Well, because he stopped talking when she died. Yeah. And she's still alive here, so he is talking. Well, I from what I remember, she kills herself because he stops talking. Oh, I thought it was the other way around. Yeah. Anyway, so we get that, and it's just kind of reminding us, hey, he wanted to go home, but he couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> so 15 years later, we see him walking, and he walks through the mouth of a giant pumpkin. Did you catch that? No. And then they show it again later, and I'm like, yep, it looks just like the giant pumpkin from Halloween Town. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so then we see the guy does the voice of Chucky. Brad Dorf. Comes up to her, and he's like, give me the guns, okay. And she's, like, freaking out. She's in shock. Uh-huh. I killed him. Blah, blah, blah. But then the next time we see her, she's just screaming her head off in the in the hospital. This, is, this movie's reaction to a couple lines in the 1981 version where Lori demands not to be given drugs and be put under because mm-hmm. she's so scared. She doesn't want to be vulnerable like that. Instead, in this movie, it's Scout Taylor Compton f- freaking out and screaming her head off because everything needs to be more extreme in the Rob Zombie version. Yeah. Can we just skip ahead here? The movie wasted 25 minutes of our time. It did. Can we not waste people's time here? So we don't want to talk about what happens. It ends up being a dream, so it doesn't really matter. It's basically, this is Rob Zombie's message that he's not remaking Halloween 2. Because the movie starts off in the hospital, he tracks her down, there are a bunch of murders, then she is killed and wakes up. 
Yes. It was all just a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Okay, I'll skip most of it, but there's a couple of key things I want to bring up here. Okay. First of all, the soundtrack for this movie boggles me. Yeah. We have The Things We Do for Love playing. We have Knights in White Satin playing. And I don't know why. <laughs> it's like it's bringing us back into the 70s, but this isn't in the 70s anymore. No. So. Hey, maybe it's just supposed to be evocative. I guess. But it's like, it's also, it's like playing these soft, like, melodies. Meanwhile, all this carnage is happening. And and if you're paying attention, this movie, as we said, does delve into some of the stuff that the new movie delves into, which is we should care more about the victims than we do about the killer. Yeah. But it's, it tries to have its cake and eat it, too, with that. It tries to give you a lot of Michael's perspective, a lot of his perspective through the entire movie. It He's unmasked for a lot of the movie, which yeah. is like it, it's trying to humanize him when he kills. You can hear his anger and aggression in his grunts. Like, it's it's trying to humanize him and at the same time show the effects that trauma can have on the victims. And it's like having its cake and eating it, too. And it's also, I mean, during this dream sequence, we see him kill these people, and it happens again later in the movie. And every time he kills somebody, it's usually, I think Zombie is trying to make his audience feel uncomfortable, because everybody that Michael Myers kills for a long time in this movie are kind of assholes, are people you don't like. And yeah. so it's like... But then he kills that girl, too? Right, no, I'm not saying every time, but I'm yeah. saying that Zombie is playing with our feelings because it's like, well, that guy's an asshole, so I don't really care that he dies. But at the same time, I'm not supposed to like Michael Myers. And at the same time, I'm supposed to be focusing more on Lori's dealing with the trauma. And so I think Zombie is trying to make his audience feel philosophically torn. Yeah, well, but I mean, this is work. It's Rob trying his hand at postmodern symbolism. And, like, failing. It's just so hit you over the head with it, but not enough to where you can call this a postmodern movie. Because it's not. Yeah. So, the entire sequence in the beginning for 25 minutes is nothing but a bad dream. And it's very frustrating because it's like, dude, you just wasted my time. 25 minutes into the movie, you get that. And it's, like Chris said, it's an homage to the second film. But it's so funny because, like, the whole time I was watching, I was like, good God, we're going to have to sit through this again. But then it moves so quickly, and I remember thinking, like, where the fuck is this movie going to go at this point? And then it ended up being a dream. It's just like, that was pointless. Yeah. So, okay. She wakes up. It's two years later. Uh, she is medicated. And I love how she takes it, and she's super dramatic when she swallows it. Movies always do this. Yeah. Like, if you take medicine... It works instantly. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's like, it's shorthand to show that your character is broken. That's pretty fucked up and ableist of, of movies to do that. Oh, she's taking medicine? Oh, man, she's a broken woman. Like, no, that's not how it works. Also, now she suddenly lives with Annie's dad and Annie, and I don't understand why, because I don't think her parents died in the first movie? If they did, I forgot. I don't remember. 
didn't leave an impact on me. Now that you bring that up, you're right. But I just I thought really it was very that. strange. Yeah, I get that. Listen, she had this incredible trauma happen to her. She's not going to be okay two years later. Just like in the 2018 version when Laurie Strode is messed up and her family doesn't like it and they want her to be okay. And it's like, well, she's not just going to be okay. I get that. But you know who also went through this trauma? Annie. And she says that repeatedly. And Lori just tells her basically to fuck off. And, and it's like, boy, she's just a she fucking say, bitch. And boy, does she say fuck a lot. And I remember saying this in our first episode. I was like, I know we curse a lot, but Jesus. Like, it's just every other word. And when you use it that way, it stops being shocking and it just starts yeah. being annoying. Yep. And it's not used for emphasis anymore, which means that later in the film, when he does try to use it for emphasis with uh, Dr. Loomis... It doesn't work anymore because yeah. we've become so accustomed to hearing it said every other word. Yeah. So she is having a conversation with Annie and like she's really annoyed because Annie's like one date at a time and she's like raging at her for saying that to her. And at one point Annie gets fed up and says, fine, then don't or whatever it is. And she's like, see, you don't fucking care. One day at a time, babe. One day at a time. One fucking day at a time. You know what? If I hear that fucking phrase one more fucking time, I mean, she just fucking sits there in her fucking leather chair and judges me like she's fucking God. It's her job, Lori. My God. What am I supposed to say? <laughs> Boo fucking who for you. See? You don't fucking care. Right. I don't fucking care. I don't understand, Lori. That makes her seem like such a petulant child, but like that's the kind of attitude that kids have. Yeah. You see it all the time at school. Kids that are like, they'll push your buttons until you finally break, and then you're the bad guy for finally breaking. Right, but then also like this isn't some person in a position of authority that doesn't understand her. Mm -hmm. This is a peer that went through the same shit. Mm-hmm. We find out later that she has this rage against Annie, and it's because she's kind of connected to Michael, but it's such a weak Yeah, there's this weird- Storyline. Yeah, they drop hints that she has this, like, psychic connection to him. Which and then it becomes said, It becomes bigger is, in the end. This is almost a remake of Five. Yes. Okay. Which the girl who played Annie was, was the main character of. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So they're talking about the fact that they never found Michael's body. And that to me is just like, why isn't there a huge manhunt for yeah, this guy? Uh -huh. And also, Michael Myers is so enormous. You're telling me that like... He's Tyler Maine. Nobody is able to find him. He's Sabertooth. Meanwhile, we've seen him and he just kind of walks around. Yeah. <laughs> but all right. <laughs> but with his mask off. So like, you know... Only certain people would know what he looks like. But I guess, yeah, you'd think his face would be plastered everywhere. Mm -hmm. Then we see that she is meeting with her therapist, who is Margot Kidder. Yes. Dr. Barbara Collier. Barb! Sorry, there's a little reference to Black Christmas. Her character's name was Barb Answer in there. me! Bob! <laughs> Bob! Oh, please answer me! It's so funny. 
funny because we love that movie and we yet love we make it. fun of it all the yes. time. <laughs> anyway, and she's explaining that she, when she looks at Annie, she gets mad because she realizes it's her fault. And so it's like misplaced anger. But we also learn later, like I said, it's because she's kind of connected to Michael Myers. Yeah. And Margot Kidder, I loved this line. The last place you're going to heal is in a hospital. Right. It's so funny. It's, yeah. Uh. And this is when she points out the Rorschach on her wall, which is extremely obviously horses. It's so obviously white horses. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not even... I know we were primed with the horses at the beginning. But the, there's the, no question. Yeah, there's no question. It's horses rearing up. It's obviously designed to look like that. Yeah. Anyway. Then we see Loomis, who has apparently just become a total dickhead. <laughs> Since the last movie. Yeah. And first of all, Malcolm McDowell should not wear a mustache. <laughs> when he has the beard and he comments about it, that's the old Loomis or yes. whatever. Like, yeah, that's the good looking one. There's a reason people like that one. <laughs> you look like a jackass with that mustache. <laughs> and so he is supporting the book that he wrote, which he was, I think he was writing or he had just finished it in the first movie. Yeah, he was going to write a book about his patient or whatever, Michael, and then this happened. So he makes the book about that, and people are kind of disgusted by it because he's capitalizing on the deaths of actual people. And his excuse is, yeah, I went through that too. I was there. I'm going to write about my story. But he's a jackass about it. He is an unrepentant asshole and, again, just a really unlikable character in a Rob Zombie movie. Mm-hmm. Big surprise. Shock us with something good, Rob. So then we get to see where Lori works. It is the Java hole, which apparently forever has smoke coming out of its cup. There were billboards that used to have that. But the um, here in L.A., there was a God, was it an in and out or Carl's Jr. or something like that, where the billboard was half a burger. And then, like, steam would be coming off the patty. Wow. But they had to take it down because the fire department kept getting calls that the billboard was on fire. Mm-hmm. So I know that a real sign like this just wouldn't work. <laughs> so we meet her new friends that she has made while working there. And they're these quirky, interesting, partier, gothic girls. Yes. And... The boss, like Chris said, is this crazy, like, conspiracy against the government, fuck the man, fight the man uh, type guy. And they're dicks to him. Yep. And he likes it because they're pretty girls. And one of them is wearing a houndstooth jacket. That that is literally the same jacket Kelsey has. That I own. Literally the same one. Yep. Like, not looks like it, it is it. Mm Mm-hmm. So they're talking about... Wearing costumes, and Lori doesn't want to do it. Do they not know what happened to her? Right. They treat it like they treat her like they don't know what happened. But when it's revealed the secret in this movie, they know the story at that point. So it's yeah. like it's really kind of like it. They obviously know, which makes the way they treat her earlier in the movie not make any sense. Yes. And then they like dance. <laughs> It's movies, w- movies where people just, especially women, just like dance for no reason 
Like, people don't fucking do that movie. <laughs> Stop putting it in every movie, like when people splash water on their faces. <laughs> Back to Loomis giving a press conference. And this guy's like, hey, you know, you never mention in your book if it's nature versus nurture. What? You wrote a book about Michael Myers and didn't talk about nature versus nurture? But he does. I think that's just a cheesy way for him to bring up his argument, which is basically that, yes, uh, this much evil, it's nature. This is not something you can breed. Right. And now here's the thing. I can understand people saying that he's profiteering. I get that. Yeah. But one of the people asks him, and this comes up again later, do you feel responsible? Why on earth would he feel responsible? Because he had him for years and wasn't able to and stop him from turning into this. And he was ultimately always against him being let out. Yeah. So why on earth would anyone say he's responsible? Yeah. Because people it. like to place their anger in certain places. So then, like, everybody's like, oh, you know, we never found his body. Is he alive? Will he kill again? And then this is when he shouts out, fuck no! And we're supposed to be shocked because he says it in front of these reporters. But again, zombie, you just had us watch a conversation between two girls where fuck was every other word that they used. So it's not shocking. In fact, it's ridiculous. Why on earth would he say that in front of press people? He says, let's get things nice and sparkling clear, which is a line that his character Alex says in Clockwork Orange. Let's get things nice and sparkling clear. Let me make things nice and sparkling clear. Michael Myers is fucking dead. This whole time, we're seeing... Michael and what's going on with him. And so post dream, it's him like living on this farmland that people are trying. Like he's just, he's a drifter basically. Uh, But before that, during the dream, when she imagines him getting out of the ambulance or not the ambulance, but the morgue van or whatever you want to call it, we see him see his mom and the horse in a dreamlike state. He's having visions of his mom and this white horse and they're standing in spotlights and she's wearing a white dress. And it's like, okay, well I guess they explain it away with the connection she has to him, but why would she be dreaming that he is, is imagining this stuff? Like, okay, it doesn't make any sense, but we get this the whole entire time. We get it a lot. This is Michael's motivation. Now it's his mom saying we need to get the family back together. again. Which my question then is what about the older sister? No, about the dad. (laughs) Because this is all in his yeah his vision. He doesn't. So he's want, making this up. Yeah, this isn't real. But why two years? Why not one? Yeah, I understand wanting to wait till the next Halloween. Fine. Yeah, that's when it started. I get it. Why two years? Well, that's how long it took him to make the movie, Kelsey. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly why. <laughs> and then another song plays. Uh, this is right before he gets beaten up by these two yokels, and then he. Kills them, whatever, who cares? But they're listening to, what's your name, little girl? What's your name? And again, like, I'm just so confused. I don't even remember that. I just tuned it out. I'm just so confused by the score. I, yeah. I don't get what he was trying to accomplish. But it they stuck out to me because they're pop songs. That are, I mean, if you, if you know 70s pop, that's what it is. This is like, why though? <laughs> 
Is it because the original was made in the 70s? Yeah. Anyway. I guess. Yeah, so Michael kills the people and then he eats their dog, which is paired with the two girls eating pizza with the guy who plays Chucky, and he's eating meat on the pizza, and they're talking about, you know, how can you eat rotting flesh? They're mixing that with yeah. uh, Michael Myers eating a dog, and I'm like, is zombie a vegetarian? He's actually vegan. There you go. Loomis is uh, now giving an interview at the Myers house, and he looks like a priest. Did you notice that? Yeah. Well, he's wearing an entirely black suit, and a black tie, but the knot in the tie is like a really light gray. And so it makes it look like he has a priest's collar. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that's just supposed to be visually evocative. He is nothing like a priest. I don't know if this is Rob Zombie's commentary on the priesthood or what. I don't know, because Rob doesn't know what the fuck he's doing with symbolism. <laughs> and Loomis tells his assistant, who he's just a jackass to, I'm selling the sizzle, not the steak. Yeah. What? <laughs> it's the sensationalism that's going to sell the book, not what's actually in the book. But he does have a line that I did like, grudgingly, because she says this is in bad taste. And he says, bad taste is what drives the American dream. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. It's very insightful, it's a real, real simple one there, Rob. You get free points. It's the center square and a bingo card. And at this point... He's talking to his assistant, and he's telling her to get back in the car, and I couldn't help but notice the way that he says it. Get your ass in there. Ha! I didn't notice that. He says it- I didn't notice just that. Just like how Loomis says in the first one, get your ass away from there. <laughs> I did not notice that. Here, now take that and go sit in the car. Go on, get Ow. your ass in there. Hey, Lonnie. Get your ass away from there. That's great. I don't know if he did it on purpose, but it sounded a lot like it. <laughs> That's really funny. Lori like has like almost like a fit and imagines that she's killing her friend. And we get some stupid druid shit, which again is where the original series heads to. Yeah. We also get Shocker of Shockers. It's a Rob Zombie movie. At some point, at some point, we're going to end up in a strip club. And sure enough, we go to a strip club where he kills the people there, and it's completely pointless, and nothing important happens, and it's just to rack up the body count and get some tits on the screen. So she is talking to her therapist again, and she's really upset, as she's like, I'm not strong enough, I need my prescription. Um, and she's like, well, why aren't you doing your breathing exercises? She's like, that's oh, bullshit. She acts like a total addict in this. Yeah. And uh, she's like, you know, for $100 an hour, anyone would care. Again, pushing away all the people who do care. And somebody says that freaks will always find their way home, which made no sense to me. I was like, what? I think that's the idea of Michael coming back. It is, of yeah. course. Uh-huh. But somebody says it as if anybody would. Yeah. Freaks uh-huh. will always find their way home. What? What? <laughs> That's not a saying. That's not a thing people say. It's certainly not. So then she goes home and she's like drinking alcohol and Annie kind of gives her a bunch of shit. And then eventually Annie says, you know what? I don't need your shit. And Lori freaks out and basically says, you know, like, screw you. I can't believe you're treating me like this. 
And Annie finally says, you act like you're the only one whose life got shit on. Yeah. Mine did too. Like, stop acting like you're the only one who matters here. Yeah. You're allowed to be traumatized. What you're not allowed to do is in your trauma, minimize mine. Mm Mm-hmm. So then he comes across people in a car, and they're listening to, ooh, Jackie. <laughs> Again, another 70s pop song. And I didn't catch any of those. At some point, somebody, I think, tells Michael, hit the bricks, Dorothy, which I thought was funny. <laughs> I think that's the strip club guy who yes. tells him that. That's right. I want to take this opportunity now that we're finally at the strip club I was talking about to say, so he kills this dude outside. Yeah. And there's this pointless scene of a strip club owner acting lewd and lecherous and. Again, making us not care if Michael kills them. Right. It's like, it's it's free kills. These are free bodies that you get, Michael, and we can root for you to, to kill them. But again, it's endorsing. Michael, it's it's letting us root for Michael. Pushing in our face, I know, and it's the bad part. It's what he shouldn't have been doing, but he's trying to be edgy. (laughs) Uh, But so anyway, when he he then walks in on the strip club owner (laughs) banging the stripper because it's a Rob fucking zombie movie, and the dude pulls a gun on him, and then proceeds to walk up to him, and Michael grabs him, like. Okay, for the last time, people, I don't want to have to keep repeating this on this show. If you have a gun, maintain your distance. <laughs> that is your only advantage. Why people carry a gun and then get up in point blank range where they're in swinging distance, I do not understand. <laughs> I do not get that. So he finds out that Loomis is getting rich and stuff, and we've got the mother saying, see, he's all rich and famous, because all because of our pain. And so he has a reason to want to kill Loomis. Loomis does the show with Weird Al Yankovic, and the show keeps coming back. Yes. And it's basically, he he ends up looking like a jackass, because it's a comedy talk show, and... <laughs> Weird Al makes him look like an idiot. Why Weird Al? I don't know. I imagine he's friends with Rob Zombie, which is fine. It's totally fine. I'm sure, I'm sure Rob Zombie's like a cool dude, if you just know him. But he does not know how to make a compelling movie. (laughs) At one point, Loomis is signing autographs in his book, and this guy's like, you know, I'm obsessed with Michael Myers. He's so much deeper than Dahmer. And it's just like, wait a minute. He's really not. He's not. He's absolutely not. Because we know more about Dahmer as yeah. a person than we do about Michael Myers, if he was real. We we don't know enough about him. Why he killed these people. It's just out of nowhere, and because of the original series, it's because he's just plain evil. It has nothing to do with depth. We don't need, and if he was deep, we wouldn't know it. <laughs> so yeah. I'm. It. Uh, but there's always one. He says. I think again, having cake and eating too. He's he's mocking people that are interested and intrigued by Michael Myers. But like dog, that's like half of your premise is getting behind the motivations of the killer and what he's thinking and what he's feeling and humanizing him. Like you can't have it both ways. This is around the time when she realizes that she is not Laurie Strode, but Angel Myers. So, yes. So what happened is in the book, he reveals that she was actually his little sister. And 
Sheriff Brackett finds out about it, and so he calls home and is like, is Lori there? I need to talk to her. Can you find her? If you find her, tell her I need to talk to her. She comes home having already found out because she saw the book in a bookstore and I guess bought it. Mm -hmm. And she leaves right away and is all pissy and ends up going to the goth girl's house to hang out. And... So, unfortunately, they didn't get to her before she found out. And then she just has a boo-hoo-wah-wah-me fest. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you know what you need to do? You need to dance. (laughs) Dance is the solution. But she wants to. The other friend is like... Are you sure this is the time? Yeah. Yeah. So, they're going to go forward with what their original plan was, was to go to this Halloween outdoor concert and dress up like characters from a Rocky Horror Picture Show. And they look really hot. They are fucking production accurate costumes. Yeah. They got the movies makeup people to do their makeup and the movies costume people to perfectly recreate the costumes. And it just makes it so unrealistic. And I hate that. But to Kelsey's point, they looked really good. Yeah. They really did. But you notice how they stay away from saying like any of the characters' names or the movie name at all? Yeah. In fact, a guy asks the chick who's dressed up as Frankenfurter, what are you supposed to be? And all she says is... I'm a, I'm a girl dressed as a guy who wants to be a girl. Yeah. Yeah. They never say Rocky Horror. No, never. And then there's sex in a van with her and this wolfman dude. <laughs> well, we'll get there. Yeah. Meanwhile, Michael Myers is looking for her. And this kid, dressed up as a clown, haha. Yeah. Runs up to him, stops, and is like, are you a giant? Can we be friends? Yeah, this little kid. And Michael Myers just kind of stands there, like, almost like, And the mom's we? like, don't talk to strangers. Yes. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I enjoyed the party scene. This is around yeah. the time when I was actually, like, yeah. concerned. Because I'm like, I am enjoying this movie. Yeah, this has, a, this has a moment that I actually wrote down that it's like, no, this is skillfully done. So Frankenfurter and the Wolfman go to have sex in a van. And the other two girls... Which is straight out of? Prom night. Yes, with the sex in the van. And what was the other movie that we watched recently where they there were kids having sex in a van? Wasn't it graduation day? And they just get killed because... Oh, that was bloody birthday. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> it's a staple of horror movies from the 70s and 80s, so that's going to be in this. Anyway. I felt like Zombie was softening his film, and it needed it. It needed a happy-go-lucky moment. Yeah. And so the girls are just having fun. They're out there dancing. And when the wolfman goes to take a piss, just like in... Prom night. But is that in graduation day? Is it? Is it are both? Do both movies do that? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, he goes to take a piss, and then he gets killed. And during this scene, another 70s pop song, I just want to make... Love to you, Foghat. <laughs> and he, she's waiting in the van, and then he comes crashing in, and he grabbing her and strangling her and then ripping her out of the window. Now, while all this is happening, it cuts back to the two of them dancing on the stage now and having fun. Now, that's not, that juxtaposition is not remarkable in and of itself. What made it more powerful for me is that they don't cut to 
the music. They don't cut to the sounds of them dancing. The entire time, the audio is the sound of her being killed. And you get to, it's not only juxtaposing the shots back and forth, uh, comparing them, to, like inter, making them intercut. That's old school film editing. It's as old as film is. But then keeping the audio and it layers the audio of her screaming on top of them having fun while you get none of the audio of them having fun. It's It was a very effective mm-hmm. scene. I agree. Very well shot, very well edited. And I was really surprised. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very surprised. It works really well. But Frankenfurter dies, unfortunately. So, and then, like, I start to write, like, why is this powerful? Why am I feeling moved by a Rob Zombie film? Uh Uh-huh. And Michael is talking to the mom, but then I think this is when he kills Annie, and then the mom says, now go have some fun. And, like... Okay, so this is an important point. I think where it doesn't make any sense. He goes to the party. He kills Frankenfurter. Lori sees him and freaks out, but then it turns out she was just seeing things and he wasn't actually there. And she's getting drunk and she's starting to have fun. And they go back to not worrying about Frankenfurter. Ah, she's probably fucking some dude, whatever. <laughs> let's go. Let's go back to Annie's and we'll hang out there. And he has already been there and killed Annie or stabbed her mortally. She's going to die. Mm-hmm. Why? He followed her to the concert, killed a person who isn't her, and then just left, and then went to Annie's house and then killed her. It does not make any sense. Yeah. It doesn't make any fucking sense except for the fact that we're following Lori and the danger needs to be close. And it's really powerful when she's screaming Annie's name and stuff. Yeah. But then it get and then the dad comes in and then it becomes just overdone. It's really overdone. Yeah. He like, just, I put, wow, they're putting a lot of emotion behind Annie's death. There's slow-mo of the father freaking out. There's a, a choir singing. There's flashbacks to home video of her as a kid. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, she wasn't that important. Yeah. She's not a main character. She's a supporting character. Mm-hmm. Why are they making this so important? Like, if they did it to the sheriff, it wouldn't have even made sense. I mean, we kind of care because we care about the sheriff. And obviously we care about Annie too. We like Annie a lot and we're upset that she's dead. And her dad, we like him and he's upset that she's dead. And so like, yeah, no, it it is powerful, but he pushes it way too far mm-hmm. to the point where you're just like, oh, it doesn't deserve this. No, exactly. And then that's when the movie gets bad again. So she runs out screaming and she gets picked up by the guy from the people under the stairs. And then he dies. <laughs> oh, yes. I called it, too. I was like, hey, is that the guy from The People Under the Stairs? Sean Whalen, the guy that we said in that episode, you know him. <laughs> <laughs> and then the deputy, we see the deputy talking to the guy who plays Chucky. And I was like, M-O-O-N, that spells moon. Because <laughs> that was him. It's Patrick Starr from SpongeBob SquarePants, Dauber from Coach. Uh, his name is Bill Fagerbakey, I think is how you pronounce it. M O O N. It spells moon. moon. <laughs> M O O N. 
oh, and <laughs> that smells moon. <laughs> That is from the adaptation. The stand. Of the stand. Yeah. <laughs> and then everything just spirals out of control. I wrote, what the hell is happening? Um, it's all in her mind. Malcolm McDowell gets punched by somebody. So they end up going to this like cabin on the edge of the woods in this field. Or it just something stops making sense. Where they're go- the family's going to be together again. And so he's kidnapped her, kidnapped in quotes, and then- And she can talk to the mom Yeah, and she is imagining she's being held by the young version of Michael, but in reality, he's not there. She is totally free to get up and leave, and she doesn't, because in her mind, she's being held in this family. And then Michael talks? When he kills, so he finds, so, okay. (laughs) So Loomis is like- I need to repent. I need to make up for my opportunism. Like, why now? It's never explained. Well, I guess because he comes back finally and he knows he's back and now he feels guilty about it. So he runs in without being told it's okay and tries to, like, negotiate the situation. And nobody has a clear shot or whatever. And then Michael attacks him and... Screams die. Yeah. Michael, for God in hell, die! This is, this is the director's cut. It's not in the actual theatrical version. Here is what I wrote for the next couple of scenes. Oh my God, this scene. Wait, I'm sorry, what? Just you, but oh my God, the fuck. Yes. (laughs) Because it just gets ridiculous. And then they play Love Hurts, Again, and they'd already played it earlier in the film, and I don't think I noted it down, but it's in the first one when she does her strip dance. And I wrote, I mean, I said in the first episode that we did about this, I was like, what? Why? And then they bring it up again in this movie, and I didn't write it down the first time. Then they play it again! Yeah, so the reason they play it again, the connection here. Right? Like he runs, Loomis had run in, tries to get her to leave, and he's like, Why are you even here? Why won't you get up and leave with me? It's, you're just standing across the table from him. Like, get out of here. She's freaking out. The sheriff shoots Michael, and she reaches down and picks up the knife and goes to stab Loomis to kill him because he's not, he's dying. And they shoot her. And they're playing Love Hurts. And I wrote in big capital letters, he's laughing at us. Is this like family love, like familial love that he's talking about, Love Hurts? Because they, they're not a family except for this weird psychic connection they're having. And, un- and unless Zombie's trying to say that families have z- psychic connections, I don't understand what his point is about family. And then it ends with her like – Kind of looks like she's in a mental hospital, but the mom and the horse are there. And then she like smiles into the camera like it's the psycho ending. And I'm like, oh, no, you did not rob zombie. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. But it's very obviously not real. The room is super long and we saw her get shot. It's a a hallucination. According to Rob Zombie, it's the last like thought she had before she died. Mm-hmm. So this movie is really bad in the beginning. 
spikes up in the middle out of fucking nowhere and then goes right downhill again. Yeah. Apparently in the theatrical version, she comes out wearing the mask. Oh, no. Yeah. So we didn't get to see that version. <laughs> and I'm sorry if you did. <laughs> uh, so that is Halloween 2. From 2009, Kelsey, lightning round. I don't have anything else. I have a few things. We can get through this pretty quickly. Seriously, her name is Angel. Mm-hmm. That bothered me, too. Well, because he's pure evil. Mm-hmm. She's an angel. Mm-hmm. But she's a tainted, she's a fallen angel. Mm-hmm. Fucking zombie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I appreciated during the hallucination, so let's talk about the hallucination scene in the very beginning. A few things in there. Uh, I appreciated that the surgery she's going through, which is super graphic, is at least commensurate with what actually happened to her in the last movie. She got real fucked up. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't just out there, gross out at the beginning. It was like, no, this is what it would look like if they were repairing her like that. And her and Annie still have actual scars that – the characters try to hide, but the movie doesn't mm-hmm. to show you that, like, yeah, no, they have permanent scars mm-hmm. physically, but also that aligns with emotionally. emotionally. Yeah. I wrote Jesus Christ with the cow. When the dudes are driving down the the highway, the guy's like, it cow! A dream sequence. <gasps> cow! And they hit a cow, and this cow is like a brick fucking wall. <laughs> They slam into it, and it's this graphic scene, and the cow doesn't move. <laughs> it's it's it really yeah. It's basically explodes. It's like wow, that is that is nuts. What they did with that really really fucking over the top, and that's it would not be that violent and uh, result in that much damage. Mm-hmm. When they go to the concert, oh, and the song they the sing. song they sing is. Terror Train. I love it. Which, of course, is Jamie Lee Jamie Curtis was. It's one of her Scream Queen movies. New Year's Eve. Yes, very good. Uh, well, yeah, no, very good. I like that movie. I fucking love that movie. <laughs> it's really good. You should at least listen to our episode on it. <laughs> Back in the dream, she's trying to get away, and she falls into this dumpster of like medical waste. And first of all, medical waste isn't stored out in the open. And when she falls in, it's just full of dead bodies. That's not how dead bodies are disposed of. And you could argue, well, it's just a dream. Yeah. But I was like, I wrote down, what is being communicated here? If this is just a hint that it's a dream, it isn't played hard enough. You know, like somebody being consumed by dead bodies and falling into a pit or whatever. And like metaphorical being like consumed by the death that's surrounding them or whatever. It's not played hard enough. You could barely tell that there are even bodies in there. You're like, for at first you're like, wait, what did she just fall into? Is it going to be like a bunch of used needles and shit like that? They know it's dead bodies. And it's like, you, you realize that. And by that time she's out of it and you're like, okay, well, what the fuck was the point of even that? Well, I mean, dreams are like that. Yeah. But at this point you don't know it's a dream. And if I hadn't brought it up, you would have even forgotten about it. I didn't. I actually wrote it down. I just didn't bother to go with it because there's that argument. It's just a dream. Yeah. At one point, she gets all cut up and she has an upside down cross carved into her forehead. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, so edgy. Just like fucking Manson. 
you know, he would do that stuff at his parole hearings. He would carve upside down crosses and swastikas and stuff like that into his forehead mm-hmm. just to fuck with people. Mm-hmm. I wrote Kelsey's right. They're making the victim's trauma an important part of the story, but it's not integral other than just as another way to make the story twisted. And she has this twisted connection to her brother. And there's a slow cover to love hurts. I wrote playing over her death. And I wrote Kelsey says he used it in the last movie. And you're right. I remember that is the scene that she stripped to that the mom stripped to mm-hmm. it's, he tries and and does not succeed, but he approaches like Icarus. <laughs> he approaches greatness and falls into the ocean. <laughs> Kelsey, what do you think this movie got on Rotten Tomatoes? 52. 52% of people that saw this movie liked it? Mm-hmm. Of reviewers? Mm-hmm. 20%. Wow. Zombie shows flashes of vision. Hey, yeah, they agree with us. Uh. Zombie shows flashes of vision in the follow-up to his Halloween reboot, but they're smothered by mountains of gore and hackneyed brutal violence. Okay. I'd say that's pretty accurate, but 35% on Metacritic. Do you think 20 and 35, overrated, underrated? I'd probably give it a 30. I was I was thinking 35, and then I thought that was too high. Mm-hmm. I'll go with you on this one. I I went with you on the last one too. 30, I think, is probably where it's at. I liked it more than the 81 version of I Halloween 2, mm-hmm. which we gave a 25. So just that much more. But, I mean, it's such a small little spurt that you enjoy. Yeah. By and the time feels... you realize you're enjoying it, it's back to being bad again. Exactly. And it feels weird, like, when you realize that, why am I enjoying this? <laughs> And then, like you said, then all of a sudden it goes right back into the shit you don't like. Yeah. Uh huh. Like I've said before in our past, was that the only other Rob Zombie movie that we've done is the first Halloween? Mm-hmm. So I must have said before in that one, in that episode, that I really wish Rob Zombie would just make a drama. You did say that. Like, because he obviously has skill, but he's too busy trying to be the astro creep that he his skill is is buried in all this other shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I I just want to see him try to make something that's not creepy or edgy and just make a good film because I think he has it in him. He just can't pull it off. Too wrapped up in his own image. All right, that is 2009's Halloween 2, thus completes our double feature. The late night. What are we watching next week, Kelsey? It's another double feature. It is. And this time it is a recommendation from Peter. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Peter. We are going to watch Funny Games. If you are following along with us and you hear what we're going to watch next week and then watch watch the movie before the episode comes out, don't feel like you have to watch these movies. They're rough. But we'll be watching them. We've already watched the first one. And you really only need to watch one. Yeah, you don't need to watch both of them. I haven't seen the American version yet. I ha- I had only seen the American version. We've since watched the, the Austrian version. Austrian version. And I think there's, I can think of maybe two things that it might have done differently. But even that I'm not positive about because it's been so long since I've seen the uh, yeah. American one. Like, there's no reason to watch both. 
You yeah. have you only need to watch one. Do I recommend that you watch the Austrian versus the American? It totally depends on your preference. Yeah. It is easier to watch an American one because it's in English. It's already a hard enough movie to watch. Yeah, but it 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 really depends on your preference. I think Michael Pitt is gorgeous, so I would rather watch the American. See what one. she does to me, people. <laughs> he is a very good looking man. Uh huh. You are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna watch both of those for next week's episode. So prepare thyself if you're gonna watch along with us because it's a rough watch, and we're gonna do it twice. Yep. Until then. You can always reach us at podcemetery.com, where you can browse all of our episodes and a list of every movie we've ever had on the show, over 100 movies so far. Leave a comment there on the site under the episode to share your thoughts on these movies. You can even recommend one or two for us to cover in a future episode like we're doing next week. Again, thank you, Peter. You can make those recommendations on the site or on our Twitter at podcemetery. Highly recommend you follow us there or email us at podcemetery at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. I really mean it. That helps out a lot, especially those five-star reviews. If you leave a comment, it'd be absolutely wonderful. Second most important thing you can do, share us with your friends. First most important thing you can do, listen in the first place. You guys are awesome, the absolute best, and we love you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. Kelsey, any last words? I'm a little confused. Are we talking about the Austin Powers Mike Myers, or is this someone else? Mr. Simon. Anything can happen on Halloween. It's better than a video. Is it Gremlins will mess up every cassette? From London to Idaho. Is it Christmas time brings the snow? Is it Christmas day brings the snow? Summertime brings the sun? Can be fun, but on Halloween, your blood begins to run. Something spooky is going on now. Kelsey, slash cards, not slash cards. I think it's a memory, or it's his vision of his mom. And he's showing her a skeleton. And I think it's supposed to be like his masks have come to life in his mind. Do you remember this? No, not at all. Well, I bring it up because 
when his masks are alive, they look like they're they're these bizarre, weird creatures. And they reminded me of the really bad interpretations uh, in Neverending Story 2 and just how shitty they looked. <laughs> wow, okay. Anyway. Are you a giant? Can we be friends? <laughs>